Thanks for sharing that with us, Francis. Um, I am up here today to introduce David Park, who will be preaching for us this Sunday while the Leans are um, out of town. Tim was at General Assembly this past week, which is basically like a gathering of pastors and elders in our denomination, and then they'll spend some time with family before they return this week. Um, but David, who's um, preaching for us today, is not a stranger to our community. Um, after serving in China with his wife for several years, they returned around the time the way was launching and worshiped with us. Um, David recently was serving at the Chinese EV Free Church in Monterey Park and um, has a vision for revitalizing existing churches, connecting pastors and churches in relationship and collaboration, developing men and women toward the mission of God and planting new churches. He is currently forming the core group that will be planting in Arcadia. Tim calls David a leader of leaders and loves David's love for Jesus-centric, Jesus-exalting communities. You will find him wise, gentle, and a lover of God's word for the world. We welcome him, um, and we pray that God blesses all of his endeavors. I'm going to pray briefly, and then David will come up for us. Father, um, I just thank you for bringing David here to share your word with us today. I pray that you would, um, your spirit would open our hearts to what he has to say, um, that we would receive your word um, that you have given him for us today. Um, and we thank you again just um, for him joining us um, and the blessing that that is. In your name we pray. Amen. Everybody, uh, it is a joy uh, to be here with you. I think the last time, actually, when uh, your pastor Tim had invited me to preach, uh, it was during COVID. And uh, I think, you know, I just remember seeing a camera, and then there, I think there's a few people, and so that was a different era. Uh, but I'm glad to see uh, kind of the post-COVID era and uh, the church here gathered and worshiping. So it's a privilege. And uh, as uh, Becca mentioned, uh, I, I really do consider Tim uh, to be just a really, uh, not only a kingdom-minded partner here in the San Gabriel Valley, but uh, just a, a very dear friend. I love Tim. I love his heart uh, for the church and for God's kingdom. And in all honesty, I would say that he is... Um, I know he is one of the most generous, big-hearted pastors I know. Um, yeah, he just loves Jesus and uh, loves to see uh, a multiplication of Jesus' followers uh, throughout the San Gabriel Valley. So uh, I just really admire his heart uh, for the Lord. And so it's a privilege to be able to preach to you uh, in his stead today. So with that, um, I know that Tim had asked me, he said, David, you can preach whatever you'd like. And then I asked him, so what are you going through as a church? And he mentioned that you guys are going through a series on Jesus as the truth. I hope that's right. Because I prepared a sermon along this line, and if it's, well, I'll trust that the Lord had a reason for that. Uh, but anyway, so I decided just to go, go along that series line. So I'm going to just preach along the lines of Jesus as the truth. And I, I really love this idea. Uh, I would say that in my own life, uh, in the past few years, uh, I feel like I'm just coming to know Jesus in fresh new ways. Um, I've been a Christian for like over 30 years, and I've been in pastoral work for uh, many of those years as well. 
And I think it's easy sometimes to talk about Jesus and to even talk about things about Jesus, but uh, to actually know Jesus is different. And the idea of Jesus as truth and just, I think for me, what I've been meditating and kind of studying about in the Gospels the past few years has been the idea that Jesus is true, he is good, and he is beautiful. And when we can see that Jesus is both true and good, uh, we will see that he is truly beautiful. And that's what captivates our hearts more than anything else. Right? We've, we naturally are attracted to and follow what our hearts find beautiful. And so uh, this is something that, you know, as I share with you, is very much something that uh, I just I see in Christ as well. So along those lines, I'd like to uh, share with you from Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 23. And uh, the title of this message is really simple. It's Jesus full of grace and truth, full of grace and truth. So let me read to you uh, Mark chapter 10, and um, it's right there, 17 to 23. Mark records that as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. This is the word of God. Uh, in her Lifetime Achievement Award acceptance speech at the 2018 Golden Globes, uh, Oprah Winfrey said, What I know for sure is that speaking your truth is the most powerful tool that we all have. Speaking your truth. Your truth, my truth, this is pretty much the motto that I think sums up our times and our culture. Anthony Kennedy, the retired Supreme Court Justice, summed it up in one of his most famous opinions, where he stated, at the heart of liberty is a right to define one's own concept of existence, of the meaning of the universe, and the mystery of human life. And this is very much the heart of our culture. Happiness and freedom is not just simply a right that's innately given to us to pursue, but it is now something that we must now define 
we must define our concept of existence and meaning. And what is implied in this is that any truth claim outside of yourself is no longer valid. Your truth, your meaning, as you define it, as I define it, is truly what is ultimate. But the question to ask is, does this lead to freedom? Does it lead to happiness? The evidence would suggest otherwise. America's happiness index, even before COVID, hit an all-time low. Anxiety and depression are at an all-time high. The culture is more divided than it's ever been. And there is much more potential for offense, no matter how compassionately or kindly you and I communicate our beliefs. Now, Jesus desires for us to be happy. But the Bible offers a different vision towards this. And rather than seeking meaning and happiness in our definition of truth, it offers a path in finding truth in Jesus. And this is where we land in this passage in Mark chapter 10. You see, what I'm trying to show you is that we are not living in times that are much different from Jesus' time at all. Jesus has a way of challenging this narrative. He is full of grace and truth, compassion and honesty. Jesus knew that this young man was lost and confused because he had embraced a false faith and narrative. And he was living by his truth and yet Somehow, even though he was living by his truth, he knew that something was missing. And he comes to Jesus, the ultimate truth teller, to ask one of the most, uh, one of the deepest, life's biggest questions. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Sometimes we view love and truth as mutually exclusive, but to Jesus, they're actually two sides of the same coin. And so we find here in verse 17 that as he was setting out, Mark records, on this journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit this eternal life? Now, if I were to ask you what this man is like, what words would you describe, what words would you use to describe this man? He's young, he's wealthy, he's powerful, he's a young synagogue ruler. But notice too, he's very respectful. There's a lot to admire and like about this man. In fact, he falls on his knees out of great deference to Jesus, and he gives him a compliment. He says, good teacher, I respect what you have to say. And he appears very sincere. He wants to know what the truth is. What must I do? But it's clear that his conscience is really bothering him. He's not at peace. Despite his success, despite his wealth, 
the irony in the scene is that despite his great wealth and status in society, he's actually acting like a beggar. He's falling right before Jesus, and he's acting like someone who would be very desperate. He's clearly not at peace. His truth is not leading him to the satisfaction and meaning that he thought he would find. So what does Jesus do? Verse 18, Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said, well, I've, all these I've kept from my youth. Now, notice what Jesus does. He challenges him on the very law that he professes to abide by, to obey. The list of the Ten Commandments from Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 to 17. And that's the list right there. You shall not have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that's in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that in the water under the earth. Um, and he goes on. Now, if you list, look at the list of these Ten Commandments, what does Jesus do? He omits the first part of the Ten Commandments. Why? The first part of the Ten Commandments, especially the first four commandments, deal with your love for God. The second half deals with your love for your neighbor. What is Jesus doing by doing that? He's exposing, he's challenging, um, but he is exposing this man's self-righteousness, his real source of identity. And what the young man really loves, what he was basing his life upon, namely these things, his own sense of righteousness, his truth, his version of truth, living out of that truth, and his money and wealth. Those were his self-built foundations. And like anyone who's steeped in their own self-righteousness, he thinks he's good. He boldly proclaims, teacher, I've done that. All these things I've kept since I was young. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, well, you do lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Now notice Jesus. He's able to speak the truth, but he is full of compassion. He doesn't avoid the uncomfortable the uncomfortable honesty and the truth, nor does he seek to shame him with the truth. Jesus' response is he looks squarely at him, right in the eye, and he loves this man. Here's a model of love. He didn't just simply tell this young man, well, you've got your truth, I've got mine. Live and let live, 
You do you, I do me. That's not his response. Jesus went straight to the core issue of his heart. He went right to the basement of his life, and he lit up the darkness that was right there. In other words, his love of money and love of his own moral goodness and righteousness and religious performance. And he knew that this, these things were leading him down a path of misery and joylessness. And so the one statement that challenged everything he built his life on, when Jesus got right to the core of his heart, to the core issue, we knew that this man was absolutely convicted. Because in verse 22, it says, he was disheartened. His heart just absolutely fell. And he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Great possessions. Now, the false truth of that day was simply this. If you were rich, it meant automatic favor from God. That's what wealth signified. God's approval and favor. It was automatic entrance into heaven. So even Jesus' own disciples were stunned when they asked this question, well, then who can possibly be saved if this man can't be saved? What hope is there for the rest of us? If this man's not qualified, it's all over. And Jesus' answer is really simple. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Eternal life is a gift of God. It is not something that you and I can earn. It is something that God must give to us. He offers to us, this is what eternal life is. But Jesus is asking this man to die to his own love of money, his own version of truth, his self-generated righteousness, and he's inviting him to a better way. The man wants to follow himself, his status, his wealth, but Jesus calls him to follow him, sell all that he has, and find his true treasure in heaven. Jesus is inviting him to anchor his status, his worth, everything in God himself. And he's offering him a path forward to genuine meaning, joy, and freedom. Jesus loved this man. And so that's why he's able to speak the truth. He offers compassion to those who are lost, to those who are confused, to those who are desperate. Jesus is the ultimate rich young ruler who had it all, but who gave it up for you and I. He is the one who is infinitely rich in his Father's presence, full of glory, but Philippians tells us that he gave up all the wealth and glory of heaven in order to go to the cross for you and I. You see, he is the, the rich young ruler, but the one who 
use it to love you and I in compassion and in truth. What would make you sad to give up in order to follow Jesus? Where is Jesus if he were to come into the basement of your life and he were to bring his light into that basement? What would he find? What would he discover? What is it that he would discover is anchoring our very hearts and souls? What is it that gives you your sense of meaning, truth, and freedom? Christ offers his way. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 8 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might truly become rich. Please join me in prayer. Lord, we come to you and despite what we may have on the outside, we know, Lord, that uh, just like this young ruler, we come to you empty. Uh, we come to you as beggars. We uh, come to you with nothing really that we can offer. We thank you, Lord, that you have given up your riches so that we might become rich. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that you are the one who used your wealth in order to save us, to love us, and God, that you're the one who offers a true way forward. Uh, we thank you, Jesus. You are the truth teller, but your truth is always motivated out of, true, of compassion and love. So, Lord, uh, we need you. Help us to die to those things in our lives that we are basing our life upon so that we may follow you as the truth. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.